Hi, I'm Tom Gerrard, and welcome to Bench Talk, the podcast where I interview artists and creatives and find out their creative process, how they got to where they are, their successes, their failures, and what makes them tick. Today I'll be chatting with Max Rippon. Max is an artist originally from New York, but now lives in Barcelona. Max's art is based a lot around typography. I'll be chatting to him about having shows in different parts of the world, uh, his artwork, and moving around. So here I am with uh, Max Ripo, originally from New York, but uh, based in Barcelona and currently in Mexico City at the moment. Yep. So uh, yeah, how's it going, Max? It's going good. Yeah. How are you doing, Tom? Yeah, good, mate. Good. Yeah, great, great to chat to you. It's been a while. Yeah, it's good to catch up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, let's kick it off, eh? Um, like you're originally from New York City. Yeah, I grew up in uh, I grew up in New York City in, in the '80s, and uh, yeah, my family still lives over there. But uh, both my brother and I actually moved over to to Europe now. Yeah, and uh, and what may and you're living in Barcelona right now. And what what made you decide to move to Barcelona? Yeah, I've been in Barcelona now since uh, 2005, and I guess it was because I visited for the first time in 2003. Um, I was at, I was at art school. And I was went abroad for you know a semester, like you know, a lot of students and everything do. And I just passed through Barcelona by chance. Um, yeah. It wasn't it wasn't a planned trip or anything. It was kind of just a little bit of a holiday. And I was just blown away by what was going on there at the time. Like I was I, when I went to go study, I went to study in Italy, and everything there was just talking about what happened there 500 years ago, 600 years ago. It was just you know look what we did then. Hmm. And I get to Barcelona, and all of a sudden, it's like, look what's going on now. Yeah. yeah and there was yeah. music, there was you know parties, there was art, there was graffiti, like people were painting everywhere, and it just felt like there was this like potential in the air, and yeah. like everyone was doing it, and it was cheap to live there, and and it was really mixed internationally. Yeah. And uh, it just caught like you know I just fell in love with it immediately, and yeah. I know a lot of people have that feeling about Barcelona, but it was it just you know as soon as I. I, was, I decided to live there for about three months. Then I had to go, go back to uni and finish. And yeah, after that, I graduated in 2005. And I just, any, any way possible, I wanted to get back to Barcelona. I just felt like I never felt that sort of freedom uh, before. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, it's a pretty crazy city. I can, uh, yeah. you know, the time I spent, and it, and it yeah, was, I can agree. I, you know, I, wasn't, I visited it during those uh, glory years of the early 2000s. I guess. And, um, yeah, they called it the golden years, didn't they? And yeah. It was really, I mean, I mean, I guess everybody everywhere says, oh, it was better back in the day, but it really was a different, a different city back then than it was, uh, than it yeah. was after, after 2005. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the city still had, you know, it's kept me there for 11 years. So it's still got plenty that's amazing about it, but that was a pretty insane time uh, yeah. when you could just paint anywhere and it was just, it was really just open to anything. Yeah, but even over 2015, I, like I felt that I could, go and paint anywhere as well like it was pretty relaxed like you know yeah you know, there were times you know, I got caught by the police and they pulled out the um the uh card machine and gave me an on-the-spot fine and that was it and yeah you you're know, not gonna spend you know, you're not gonna in, spend the night in central booking or anything no, like that no, you know? no. like I think back to Melbourne and uh you know if, if you get caught on the streets painting there you, you you get your house raided you get um a court summons and it drags out for six months to a year of this whole big ordeal and you know some people you know all you've done is like a tag on the street or something like that you know yeah yeah i mean that that's the thing about barcelona even with the new laws and everything 
it still has such a relaxed atmosphere and it it's it's always been a great place to sort of call call a home and call a base mm. and you know it has its pros and it has its cons but um it has been an amazing spot to uh to feel like you know I, I moved there because i wanted to when i graduated art school i just felt like going back to new york would kind of in a way stifle me and make me like you have to get into this or you have to do these certain things or you have to make these certain moves or get this job uh you have to survive it's such a cutthroat city yeah and being in barcelona gave a lot of freedom and a lot of like space to just grow on my own and and do what i felt like you know i wanted to do and mm. you know i was lucky enough i got a job there uh working at a publishing company and worked at you know worked a day job um, yeah. edit i was editing editing books actually in english yeah. So it had nothing to do with my art. Uh, and yeah, I just worked a day job and then at the whole time was just trying to make my own artwork and, yeah. and you know, make shit on my kitchen table. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I've, I've, I've uh, heard you speak Spanish. You speak rapid fire Spanish like a local. I can hardly understand you. You know, did you have a hard time um, like learning the language at first or did you have, do you already know Spanish it's... when you arrived or? No, I mean, when I first went and visited there that one summer in 2003, I was, you know, just floundering. Like, I had no clue and yeah. I didn't even know how to say, hi, how are you? Yeah. And just sort of picked it up going out and I took a, I took a class for, for a month. Yeah. And, I mean, I would say I have a bit of a, an ease for learning languages because um, I just, but it's just about listening, I guess, and mm. sort of being a bit of a copycat at first. Like, okay, what did he say? Yeah, I'll try to sound like that. Yeah, and but then I was also forced to when I was working at that job, the first job when I moved back in two thousand five. Um, you know, even though I was working in English, everybody I was speaking to every day uh, around you know around the coffee machine, around the water cooler, as mm -hmm. they say, it was all in Spanish, and I would just sit there listening and trying to understand. And then I'd go home, and I was living with uh, you know I was living with a bunch of people. So I had three roommates at the time. Some of them spoke English, some of them didn't, but everybody spoke Spanish around the house. Yeah. So yeah. I just had to. I just had to learn it. And, yeah. uh, and you know, it's hard. You get, you feel like you can't express yourself for a little while and you feel like really, you know, like you're not yourself in a way. You don't, you don't express who you are. But uh, being sort of forced to do it, you, you end up doing it. And yeah. um, eventually it's, it's, it, it works out. Yeah. I, I tried the same in my job when I was in Barcelona, but... I ended up picking up a lot of Catalan, <laughs> and I had this like, yeah. jungle thing because everyone, yeah, no one yeah. spoke Spanish. You were you were you were in the uptown part. <laughs> yeah, I was. and uh, yeah. it was uh, yeah, they are. It is more difficult depending on, on where you are. My the luck of the office I was at had a lot of people from all over the place working there. Yeah, and um, so there there was definitely the Catalan contingency. Yeah, but there was there was a few people you know Germans and you know South Americans and you know so Spanish was definitely the the language of choice around. And the people I, I lived with at home were also from from other parts of Spain and from other parts of Europe. So we spoke we spoke Spanish mostly. Yeah. So uh, killing some chickens out the back there, mate. Yeah, I think yeah. the kids are uh, yeah. the kids are having having a ball, getting ready for the soup tonight. <laughs> oh, yeah. Nice one. <laughs> so um, so just uh, going back in time a bit, like you, your uh, your twin brother and your father are both artists as well. Um, you know, what was it like growing up in an artistic family? Was your mom interested in art as well? Or like yeah, my mom was definitely interested in art. Yeah. She she uh, she studied photography at um, when she was at university, and she she lived abroad as well. She yeah. went to live in Paris. She's from the states, and she went to live in Paris. And she was living with a uh, well. She was working with a woman whose whose husband was a painter, and she was just always surrounded by art. All of her friends were artists, and my dad was a painter in England, and he started an art magazine and. 
it was just always a part of, of growing up. You know, we'd go to, mm. they would take us to, to museums, take us to galleries. You know, their friends were having art shows. We'd go over to their house and their friends' studios. And it was just it seemed normal. It was just like, oh, yeah, of course, people make stuff and they are, you know, they're interpreted, their, their version of interpretation of things. And um, our, parent, you know, our parents were really, really very encouraging of, of us drawing. And they would, my mom would get, she worked for a book publishing company. And she used to get these uh, book blanks, which are just, you know, it's just so they could work on the covers and things like that. And just big, thick, you know, hardcover books, but with just blank pages in it. Yeah. And she would bring home stacks of them. So yeah. My brother and I would just be ripping through these things with crayons, pencils, whatever. And she didn't care. She was like, she had them for free. And she just said, you know, draw as much as you want. So we were just there drawing. We'd make up, you know, we, were, we didn't even know how to write, but we would like, you know, we couldn't, we didn't know how to spell, but we'd be writing words in our own way and we'd just be, and our parents were super encouraging of it all. Yeah. So, and, uh, you know, eventually they were like, oh, you know, okay, you really like to draw. Do you want to do some like drawing classes? And they sent us um, to the Art Students League in New York. We did these, you know, drawing from still lifes and whatnot. And we were, we were just kids. And, uh, and then it just, you know, grew into drawing comic books. And then um, my parents said, well, you know, if you're really into this, you can do it at school. But also if you want to do stuff outside of school, we'll, we'll put you in like a, an extracurricular class. And they were just really supportive. Nice. So nice. that was, you know, that was amazing. And it definitely... Um, you know, it helps to have support like that. I know some people whose parents, you know, hated that they did art. You know, get off this crap. This is useless, waste of time. But um, yeah, that wasn't my situation. I was, I was really fortunate for that. Yeah, the only, um, you know, the connection my parents had with me and art was me getting in trouble with the police. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. If yeah, the police were, hadn't been involved, though, would they have been more supportive? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, they've always been pretty supportive. I can't complain. You know, yeah. but just they, they just never really understood the art thing. But yeah. um, yeah. So how how did you uh how did you end up making your first uh money off art? Like, was had well, stuff? I guess it was uh you know I I had been traveling around and I was I was working day jobs and I eventually started working you know people when I was traveling around Europe as well after I moved to Barcelona I I did a big trip um the summer after that uh, all around Europe with with a friend of mine and and started meeting people who were running galleries and who were you know doing all kinds of different projects and running little pop up things. I said, oh, why don't you, you know, make something and leave it here and see if we can, uh, see if we can sell it or we'll put it in a show. And the first few things, you know, didn't sell. And um, I was, you know, but I was doing little drawings here, photography stuff, and it ended up being sort of commercial jobs sometimes. Be like, oh, can you go photograph some street, you know, street scenes and whatnot? We need to use this for a book cover. We need to use it for this. So I was doing some like more commercial jobs uh, through my art. But after, as I said, starting to you know exhibit and things like that. You know, a bunch of stuff didn't sell, and then one day it did, and then yeah. it, uh, it started to pick up more and more, and I started to get a feeling of how to do things a little more properly and make, you know, make objects that were felt like they were real, they were more serious. You know, before it was maybe doodles and, sca- and scraps and things, and uh, and then I decided, you know, I started making things a little more seriously. Yeah, and uh, and then it really once, um, you know, the commercial jobs and working in my own studio practice, they did always sort of go hand in hand and I never I never said that one couldn't influence the other, or one couldn't have anything to do with the other. So having commercial jobs, you know, paid you know, brought in money that allowed me to do uh do my own work. Yeah. And um yeah, and then eventually having a studio, like when I really got my first uh real studio, um with I was sharing with with Smash 137 and a couple other friends. 
And um, that was sort of my first proper studio experience. Uh, I mean, I was at school before that, but this was, you know, a working studio. Yeah. And, uh, and working with, with actually with Smash Around, that was, um, that was really, you know, I would say that was really inspiring, seeing somebody who had been exhibiting for years and who had been, uh, you know, knew a bit of the scene. And he was, you know, also trying to, like, stomp out his own, own ground in it and trying to do experiment with things, but, but uh, building a collector base and stuff. And that was, that was sort of one of the first times I'd really been around that uh, consistently. Yeah. And, how, um, and was it a big step for you, um, deciding to give up your day job and, uh, and live solely off your artwork? Yeah, um, I did. Well, after, after I worked at, uh, I mean, yeah, I had a few different day jobs in Barcelona and I ended up doing um, freelance writing for, for an art magazine. So I was covering, you know, press stuff and, and, uh, but it was cool because it gave me a lot of free time. So as I was still working with that, I was also had a lot of time. I was able to work uh, on getting things ready for shows and, and, um, working on projects. And then I started, I got, uh, offered, uh, in 2009, I got offered to do a residency at the museum's courts here in, in Vienna. And I spent a month there, you know, expenses were paid. Um, and there was sort of a rough outline of we want this sort of project kind of completed by this time and that was you know i don't know i can't i don't know, i can't remember if that was the first time that was just entirely dedicated but that was a that was a you know a major moment where i was able to really focus entirely on um just making you know work actually well now before that i had done i traveled around and i'd worked on solo shows and mm-hmm. i'd done shorter residencies i guess but it was a uh, but those kinds of experiences of you know, where you sort of take yourself out of your everyday life or, um, well, especially before I had a studio and just focus on your work. That was, you know, something that really, uh, this has a big impact and lets you grow in a lot of ways that you wouldn't normally yeah. be able to do otherwise. Yeah. Living the dream, mate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, artist residencies, man. I mean, it's really, it's something special when, when people are willing to support you, um, Willing people, to, you know, people willing to support you and bring you somewhere to just focus on on what you want to do, and that's yeah. you know shows a lot of belief in in uh, in your work, yeah. which is which is nuts. And, Gives you a big confidence boost as well. Yeah, lets you, you know you're on the right a, track. All that. Yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah, it's it's funny feeling that we we sometimes you know as artists we kind of need that outside validation. Um, you know, everyone wants to say no, it comes from me, and these are all work that you know. I'm always, you know, you have to be confident in what you're doing, but we all do need a bit of outside validation sometimes, you know, yeah, whether it's, uh, whether it's, you know, getting offered a residency or just, you know, a collector buying your work or, you know, certain people being interested or, you know, getting a bit of press for something. It's just all these little bits and pieces. It, uh, it is something that is, is important as an art, you know, for an artist's career. Yeah. Well, since then you've had, um, solo shows in, uh, in Portland, Basel, Barcelona, London, Vienna, San Francisco, Cologne, and uh, and Brussels. Like, how do yep. you, uh, you know, how did all that come about? What, like, you, you know, they're all in you know, different corners of the world and around Europe. And, yeah. You know, it's yeah. I have to say, a lot of it probably came around from from traveling myself, from actually going around to these places and starting to meet people, and they begin to follow your work, and uh, you know, they show people what you're doing, and. Some of them came from from direct contacts I had known before who yeah. said, you know, we want you to come back and we want you to do a show with you. Uh, some people I hadn't been in touch with really 
and they've offered me things. And um, it's, yeah, it's just, you know, putting yourself out there, I guess, in a way. And because I was doing so much work outdoors and working, uh, you know, on murals and, and doing graffiti and street art, and it was, uh, you know, you have to physically be in these places. And then by traveling around and doing that, you know, people do really um, take notice. And, you know, it is, it's easier when there is a personal connection, I think, with people um, for them to start taking a more serious look at your work. And, uh, yeah, I was, I was fortunate. I really fortunate enough to really have traveled a lot. And, um, and then people said, you know, why don't you come back and let's, let's work on something together. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and then eventually, you know, the word spreads from things. It's not always personal context and word spreads. And people, oh, I've seen this here, you know, through a bit of press here and there as well. You know, it's a press really helped me. Um, and that had, had effects of people offering me things that I never would have imagined. Yeah. You know, the first show I had in, uh, San Francisco, which was probably my first big uh, solo show. Um, you know, we never we never met before. Um, people at White Walls and I, and we uh, I you know was passing through San Francisco and I popped in, and uh, yeah, Justin at the time came up to me and said, you know, oh, you know, I left a number for for somebody else, and Justin came into shut shut up, dog. <laughs> Got a dog in the room. Sorry. That's right. <laughs> And, um, the, and so he came up to me and said, you know, Hey, you know, I've been following your work. Do you know, you want to do something with us? You know, and it was, uh, it was a bit rushed at that moment, but we stayed in touch and then he, you know, he invited me back and, um, things were, things were going really well with them at the time. And, you know, he brought me back out there and, yeah. uh, yeah. you know, one, one, one successful thing leads to another and people start to pick up, Oh, you did really well. Oh, why don't you come out here and let's try to do something as well. Yeah. So it sounds like you've had a pretty consistent um, string of successes there. Have there have there been any moments of uncertainty and uh, and times where you've, you know, things haven't been going so well? And have you ever considered chucking it all in, getting a day job, and making life easy again, or anything? Like well, that? Yeah. yeah, yeah, many times. Because <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess I guess maybe I made it sound all you know golden path right yeah, there the but highlight reel. Sir, <laughs> yeah exactly it certainly hasn't been uh it hasn't been that consistently and um you know i guess a lot of a lot of artists don't want to say oh yeah sometimes my stuff doesn't sell and shit but you know sometimes my stuff doesn't sell and you know a lot of my times my stuff doesn't sell and i've been done you know more than my fair share of shows that you know haven't sold anything or haven't uh and it's a bit of a blow sometimes when you work really hard on something and you know you really believe on it believe in what you've done and and you know you have the people directly around you say yeah yeah it's good work it's good work and then you know and then uh, the results don't really show that um, in some ways but you have to also as I said before you know you have to believe in what you're doing and say um, okay you know didn't get that validation from this one but I'm gonna kill you know keep going on keep going forward and and you know I still believe in what I'm doing and uh, yeah but it's it's tough sometimes I mean I don't I don't think there's many artists out there at all who've had only consistently good responses mm. and uh, and I think it's also can be constructive and and um help you grow to get someone you know get kicked down a few times yeah you know yeah if everything feels comfortable and everything feels feels great you know comfort kind of kills creativity I think yeah and uh, when things start to go a bit tough you know hard times can be some of the most um in a way, inspiring times, and uh, as an artist, you know you got to expect to get kicked down, and you got to expect to get ripped apart with critiques, and you got to get expect to get, you know, not sell stuff sometimes, and 
it's um and yeah as i said before you know commercial jobs of I've never sort of counted them out and said, you know, I'm only going to do my work and I'm never going to work with anybody again. And, you know, lately I've been doing um, more and more jobs actually that have to do with things with sign painting and things with, with skills that I've learned as an artist but aren't necessarily creating my own vision of artwork. And, you know, these are jobs that help me keep going and help me, um, you know, keep the lights on and keep myself fed. And hmm. it's, uh, and, you know, sometimes I say, you know, I could just, I could stop trying to make shows and just go towards that, but I also know that it would be, I would feel, you know, not very long down the line, I would end up feeling a bit empty and feel like, you know, I still have so much I want to say. And as a, you know, as an artist, it's, it's our job to kind of show, you know, put the world through our filters and, and express our viewpoints and take a stand. And, um, and if you're just doing stuff for other people, you know, it's great. It's, uh, it's, you know, it keeps you paid. And, but, you know, I think if you're an artist that really believes in, in making art for yourself, whether or not it's paid or whether it's not, uh, it's for somebody else, then you're going to always have that desire to still put yourself out there. Yeah. And, uh, even if you, even if people don't, don't like it or don't accept it, you know, I think every artist, um, you know, even the big artists, the great artists have gone through tons of periods of, of not being accepted or not, not selling shit and you know it's still just keep going yeah yeah you know i've um you said before that you do uh bits of sign writing for people um you know you're you've got a lot of type in your artwork as well uh what like what got you into typography and i'd have to say i mean i was always my, my mom actually was a typographer um in with, with book publishing she did design and stuff so i was always around that and i mean i wasn't that into it as a kid but I would do, you know, even when I was in comic books, you know, into comic books as like, you know, seven-year-old, I'd be like, oh, look at the, you know, the title lines. Like, those are really cool looking. And, and then obviously got into graffiti and, you know, that's just letters. And you learn how to make letters. You know, you're trying to make your name look good. And then, you know, I got bored writing my name. So I was doing like, you know, messages and I was doing stuff out, you know, doing murals with, with, with type A stuff. And I was doing it and it was funky and some of them looked kind of shit. And then I started being like, okay, if I'm going to do this um, – I should make it look right and do it properly. And I remember one of one of the first uh, one of the earlier like group shows I was in. I started trying out like, okay, I should try out one shot. You know, this is sign painter, sign painter's nail, and I didn't know I have any clue what I was doing. And um, I remember trying to paint letters and feeling like, wow, I'm really not very good at this actually. Like, and uh, I'm, I'm using all these letters and I'm doing it, and I'm just kind of like mashing my way through it. But if I want to really do this, I should learn how to do it properly. And I never had. I never took any, you know, any workshops or, or really had any mentors with that. And so in the end, it was really uh, pretty self-taught with, uh, with all the sign writing and lettering and stuff. And, just, you know, same with graffiti. If you do it a thousand one times, you're going to start to get something that looks right. And uh, so do it another thousand times and then maybe something else will look right. Yeah, and, <laughs> and then another 10,000 10, 10, <laughs> more. Exactly. 10,000 times more, then you're starting to get there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So you've just uh, you've just completed a, a big job for Casa Bernay in Barcelona. It's a new hotel opening there. You've done you've done all the hand painted signage for all the rooms and yeah, the whole place. It's it's uh, the photos I've seen look amazing. You know, um, you know, do you want to tell me a bit about about that? What's going on? Yeah, so I mean that's the, that's like the kinds of jobs that it was. Uh, you know, I never really imagined, and little by little, by doing you know 
you know, having my artwork, uh, leading me, leading myself into sign painting. Um, this uh, this hotel, you know, Casa Bonai in, in Barcelona, asked me, you know, we want we want an artist to do create the whole signage system, and um, the whole idea too. You know, what I proposed to them was to do the whole thing and design it all, but also you know, paint everything by hand and do it like really the old school way. And I brought in uh, I brought in a, a partner of mine because you know it was a huge job to do on my own, uh, Alcias Perez. And um, him and I, you know, we did all the, the, the back work, which is, you know, hand designing this entire font, uh, then going through all the, you know, the illustrator, vectorizing everything, designing out. And then we literally spent, uh, you know, spent, probably, I think to totally probably spent two months um, in there uh, hand painting every single door number, um, every single directional sign in all the floors, uh, the warning signs, the, you know, the emergency exit signs. And just um, and that really, I mean, that alone. I'd done jobs here and there with sign painting, but that was just such an intense, um, repetitive, uh, you know, just absolute quantity um, of of work that it was also a bit of trial by fire, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it looks good though. It looks really good. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. It was it was a crazy project, uh, you know, to paint an entire an entire hotel by hand. And it was funny as I was doing it, you know, the you know, the guy's putting up the drywall, be walking by, and they're like, really? Like, wouldn't it be easier to stick up a piece of vinyl? And like, who does this anymore? Yeah. And I'm thinking, I'm like, man, back in the day, you know, probably not even, you know, 50, 60, 50 years ago, every hotel needed to have somebody to do all that. You yeah. know, and that was just, that was kind of the norm. And it's so far removed from, you know, people's concept of, of what happens today, of how things are done, um, that it was, it was really cool to do it. I think and it was something that, People aren't used to seeing something done by hand, mm. and uh, you know, even just if you're painting, if you're painting a wall, for example, you know, this, you know, this is going back to painting graffiti and whatnot. But say you're painting a wall daytime, you know, say you're down in South America, you're painting someone permission. People just stop and they're like, "Oh wow, I've never seen that actually done." Mm. You know, yeah. it's just it's there. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. So you don't think they don't think about the process about it. Yeah, and um, and that's something that you know, doing you know, working in that commercial way, people being like so stoked and seeing a process. That's led back into you know my my studio practice, and I try to show now a lot of the stuff I do is to do with showing the works and the and the bits and pieces of the process, yeah, um, and making making that the work itself, and yeah. so that's another way in that I guess uh, commercial work that I've done is sort of led back into studio work. Yeah, so I was uh, well that was while you were doing that I was working at Mucho in uh, Barcelona and they were doing taking care of the design collateral. Yeah, they were, on the, they were on the design, that, they're on the design back end for, uh, yeah. for the hotel, and they uh, and they uh, the I saw that they really wanted to highlight the fact that uh, you and Elsius were taking care of all the uh, all the type for the place, and um, you know it was a big thing for the hotel to have have proper guys come in and do it right instead of as you said getting just getting vinyl printed and stuck on the outside of every door and. You know, but um, well, the, cool, uh, the cool thing too is that we, uh, we, we the the font that we designed was based entirely on these old hand painted sign plaques that they had from the original building that we'd found. You know, I think a handful of them, maybe five or six, we found in the stairwells, and they were these old um, enamel signs that had been painted by hand. And we we designed an entire font just based on uh, what we saw from these five six signs, mm. and then repainted it all by hand. Yeah. So you know, it's talking. You know. That's talking about the history of the building, which is also what the hotel was trying to do: was, uh, you know, revive this history of the building and at, give it its, you know, modern touch. Yeah, yeah. 
So, um, you know, it would have been, uh, you would have learned a lot working with Alsius. Have you, uh, have you had other people you've worked with over the years who have, um, like, almost mentored you or taught you a lot of tricks and tips along the way? Um, I guess there, yeah, there probably have been people, you know, artists and non-artists who I've, who I've met and sort of shadowed. And I worked, uh, after I finished university, I studied printmaking there. And I went and worked at uh, Pace Editions, actually, in New York City. Mm-hmm. And there, Pace Editions, um, you know, if, if you don't know, it's a, it's a major print, well, it's a major gallery. It's, you know, it's a huge international gallery, but their edition, their print, their print studio in New York City does prints for Chuck Close, Jim Dine, um, you know, Kiki Smith, a whole slew of major, major artists. And we're, I was working with, um, with uh, the master printer there, Bill, I can't remember his last name, actually, but, but Bill and... You know, working under him for a summer, uh, it was just an internship, really. But, you know, I learned how to really properly prep everything and, and go through, you know, seeing the back steps of how, you know, these major artists were working on creating these plates and how the studios would work with them. Um, but then, you know, even working, having, a, having Adrian, having Smash in my studio, like seeing how he worked, that was a really big inspiration. Um, you know, and I, it's something that I, I think it's important to always, you know, never feel like you've, just you figured it all out you know yeah i was when i was in portland in in february i did a residency there and i did an exhibition and part of it was i really wanted to you know they have a really strong sign painting tradition there and i really wanted to tie up with some like some of the, the really good guys there and the guys who had um you know had history and uh yeah i ended up going and and shadowing these two guys uh justin reed and um and uh and Pete, um, what the hell is his last name? <laughs> anyway, Pete. <laughs> but, uh, you know, yeah, Pete. <laughs> and uh, they, they showed me how to do, you know, gold leaf lettering, gold leaf uh, sign work on glass. And, you know, it's a really old school tradition. And it's something that I couldn't have learned in Barcelona on my own. I mean, I could have taught it to myself through videos and whatnot. But it makes a difference when you got somebody who really can show it. You, can, you know, can show you that stuff and, and you know. You know, I said to them, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I want to be your apprentice. Like, I want to, I'll go get you guys coffee. I'll get you a sandwich. I'll fucking clean up and sweep up. Like, I want to learn this stuff. Yeah. And uh, I think that's important, you know, for any, any artist to just be like, don't feel like you know everything. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've, um, I've worked with you in your studio before and I've seen you painting a lot. Um, you know, do you, do you have a creative process that you, you stick to? Like, that's your default process or do you, uh, do you, mess around with lots of different techniques and ideas and ways of uh, approaching a, a different canvas at a different time and materials and whatnot? Yeah, I don't know if I have a specific um, set. I don't know if I have a set process. I mean, a lot of it comes from sketching out ideas first, just you know, quick sketching. Drawing was always really my thing when I was a kid. Constantly having, I mean, I always had sketchbooks uh, since I was you know really young. And that's where a lot of I think a lot of good ideas come from that. Just you know, not not being not editing yourself from the beginning, just letting letting stuff flow. Mm. But you know, nowadays I I've been reading a lot, and uh, you know I'll be reading. You know, I read a lot of books about about art, about art history, and uh, even about philosophy. And all of a sudden, you never know when an idea can just hit you. Um, and you know, just jot something down, and then I'll sort of start working out on paper and. But it really, it really can change. Um, you know, sometimes I'll just need to dip my hands right in a bunch of material and just, you know, put up some canvas on the wall and start painting on it, and then see what happens. Um, and 
sometimes it's a little bit more planned out and I sketch things out and say, okay, this is how I'm going to attack things. Um, yeah, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say I have a, I have a set way of working, uh, yeah. but, but, but definitely just always, always being open to things, just keeping your eyes open and your, and your mind open at all times, you know, whether it's walking down the street and seeing a really cool sign, seeing a really nice place tag, or you read a book and you know, Oh, that's a great idea. Or that sparks something in your head. And, uh, always having a little either, you know, either pen and paper to jot something down or you know, nowadays just taking it, whipping out your phone and snapping a photo of it and, uh, and saving that for later. Yeah. Um, just having ton, you know, visual and, uh, and written notes all the time. Yeah. I've noticed you over the years, you've worked with other mediums such as, um, you know, wooden sculptures and, uh, you know, I've seen you work with watercolors, acrylics, um, all types of paint. Uh, have you thought about um, working with different subjects as well, other than type? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and and lately, it's something that um, I'm sort of trying to explore even more. I, as I was, you know, I I was doing so much specifically with type that I sort of started to feel a bit um, almost confined by it. Yeah. And I started doing a series of paintings sort of on my own that I didn't show anybody or, or didn't exhibit anywhere that were completely abstract and just wanted to get and, you know, just make an image or make a, you know, just put down color on a canvas and just play with the materials themselves. And through doing those for a little while, I actually, you know, sort of built a bit of confidence and uh, started showing those in, in some exhibitions. And, um, and yes, a lot of my shows now, maybe it's because I'm doing more and more sign painting. I feel like, okay, let the lettering be, you know, let the lettering and the sign stuff be what it is and look more at the, uh, at the process and the materials based around it and maybe let those be the, the, the artwork. I mean, for my last exhibition, I was, you know, doing completely abstract canvases and while I was also painting all this sign stuff on the windows of the gallery and rather than the paintings being, you know, literally the words, I would use scraps of paper that I use while making those signs or scraps of canvas that I put down underneath things or the plastic even that was underneath it and using all that, that detritus um, from around that process and making those the works and making, trying to make those the focus rather than being the words themselves. Mm -hmm. And um, so sometimes it's, yeah, I mean, at this point I really want to let things flow and, you know, maybe it's not the, it's not the easiest for, for galleries to want to, um, want to pick up my stuff if they don't know really what direction I'm going in right now. And, you know, right now my, my exhibitions have been a bit all over the place, but for me, it's just about, it's about the process and about, uh, experimenting. Yeah. And, um, oh, nice. Um, you, you live in your studio, it's split level, you've got an upstairs yep. and a downstairs. <laughs> um, you know, do you, do you paint every day? Or, uh, or? no, I wish I, I wish I could say I painted every day, yeah. but, um, you know, there's days when, I have to focus on, well, I mean, I guess it's painting, but if I'm working on, if I have to work on jobs, I don't get to uh, just get back in the studio and work on my own stuff. Mm. Um, and it's something that, you know, sometimes life gets in the way and, you know, uh, Barcelona distractions get in the way or, or work gets in the way. And I don't get to, um, I don't get to uh, just get in an experiment as much as, as I was like to. And yeah. it's something that, um, I definitely want to work towards towards doing more, uh, yeah. and um, and maybe even worry less about working towards specific projects, but uh, but really just letting you know it's going in and experimenting around. 
But I do know that I do work really well with deadlines. Yeah. <laughs> and if I don't have deadlines, it's hard for me to get in and, and get things done sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you've mentioned that uh, you know, you're, you're thinking of uh, maybe moving to the States. Um, you know, what's on the horizon for uh, Max Ripper? Uh, yeah, well, actually, that, that is going to be my move. Barcelona, um, I would say my time in Barcelona, the, the sun is setting. Yeah. And it's been 11 years. And, well, as you know really well, it's, it's a great city for, for being based and, you know, good quality of life. But comfort can sometimes kill creativity. And getting out of your comfort zone and going somewhere where there is a bit more uh, pressure and also a bit more um, possibility for for connections and the possibilities for ex- exhibiting and things are that was sort of a, a motivator for me and as I said because I've been experimenting a lot too I even you know I was thinking about going back to school and right now uh, at Los Angeles is really where 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 my sights are set uh, there's just such a scene right now there's so much going on there um, so many people have, have moved in there and um, you know working in all different all different modes you know not just in the art world but you know with music with with advertising, with uh, design, with you know anything, um, is it's just this big melting pot right now, and I think it would be it's going to be positive to a uh, to start, but yeah, it's you know it's kind of scary, it's, you know, give up something after so long and so much comfort and so much you know, okay, I know what this is, I know that street, and just start again, start fresh. Yeah, it's uh it's nerve wracking. Yeah, but. experimenting with life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You can't you know you can't keep your eyes closed. You know, no, no. you got to you got to stay open to it, and, and especially as an artist, you got to always be open to it. You know, yeah. <coughs> coming, coming, in, coming from someone who's moved countries multiple times throughout their life, yeah, exactly. Um, I can I can only say it's it's the best the best move you can make because um, you know what? If it doesn't work out, you just turn around and go back. But um, yeah. or you, you know, or you go on to the next place. Exactly. Well. But, you know, very rarely it doesn't work out, but you've got to take the plunge to even have the opportunity. Yeah, I think you you know more than more than most people about you know if you get too comfortable, it can be a bit uh, you know it's it feels really nice and you can get settled for a bit, but you do have that itch and and when you step out of your comfort zone, you're forced to adapt and all kinds of new things that you never expected uh, can happen. Yeah, and um, yeah, and especially when you go to a place where there's a lot going on. Hmm. Uh, I, I mean, I moved out to Barcelona in 2005 when there was a lot going on, and it was. That was partially what what drove me out there was you know so many artists were living out there everyone was you know coming through it was just it was this big you know hotbed of of action and then it died down quite a bit but um, right now I think uh, you know a city like L A or I mean even a city like New York Mexico City has a big uh, big scene actually right now um, tons of artists galleries uh, you know projects are going on and and you know you want to be around things that are, are going on as as an artist it's you can live in a vacuum and you can live out in the middle of the country, but um, but it can also be really stimulating to be around uh, be around a lot of other people doing things. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what moves you forward as well. You know, yeah. if you're, everyone's driving each other. You know, you could be yeah, the, um, you could be the most amazing artist in the world, but if you uh, if no one knows you exist, you know, you're not, <laughs> where's your career going to go? You're going to end up working yeah. off a day job just to. Uh, just to make it yeah. Well, well maybe, maybe when you're dead, then you'll do great. But exactly, yeah. <laughs> it's not not so fun for you at the time, is it? No, 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 no. You know, but um, you know. So let's uh, start wrapping this up, I guess. But um, I was wondering, uh, you know, where can people find you online? Um, 
right now I've mostly been uh, place I update the most is definitely my Instagram, um, and that's just Max Repo M A X R I P O, and that's where I keep you know sort of my own visual journal of everything I see around me, the stuff that inspires me, bits and pieces of my own work. But um, I don't know. I think uh, Instagram is probably my most updated. Otherwise, there's my website, which is max-rippin.com. Yeah. All right. Anything, uh, anything else, else to add? Anything you haven't uh, had a chance to talk about that you want to get off your chest? Uh, no, I think, I think right now this is, uh, this is, this is pretty much it. Um, you know, look forward to getting out to L.A. And, and seeing what's next. All right. Well, uh, thanks for coming on to the podcast, Max, and it's been, uh, it's been great to catch up. Yeah, thanks very much, Tom. It was really good to talk. Yeah, no worries. All right, mate. Have a good one. Bye. Check out the Bench Talk website, benchtalkpodcast.com. There you can listen to past episodes and keep up to date with what's up and coming on the, the podcast. You can also listen on SoundCloud. Just search for Bench Talk. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram, bench underscore talk. Thanks, and I look forward to you tuning in again next week. See ya.